Hey everyone, this is M Black Writes, a podcast for people who love stories, and I'm your host, M Black. You guys, I love Halloween. I love fall time. I love October. I love spooky season. I love the candy. I love the movies. I love the music. I love dressing up. I love it all. And I am so excited for this episode. I've been anticipating getting to October all year long because I was so pumped to make a Halloween themed episode and we are finally here. I do want to talk a bit about why I skipped an episode in September. So as I said before, I really love fall. September is actually my favorite month, um, but I am a little bit biased because my birthday is in September. So, but also, I mean, September is just a great month. Even if my birthday wasn't in September, I still think I would love September, but my birthday does happen to be in September. Also, um 10 days after my birthday my anniversary also happens in September um a little side story that is very strategic of me I wanted my birthday and my anniversary in the same month so that every single year I could be like, let's go on a trip and it can count for my birthday and our anniversary. And then I had leverage to go on a big trip every single year, <laughs> which is what we did this year. I mean, every year we don't go on a huge trip. Like some are like medium trips or small trips. This year was a big trip though. We went to Hilton Head Island, South Carolina and Savannah, Georgia And I have been dreaming about going to South Carolina for so long and planning fake trips for myself over and over and over and never pulling the trigger. And I finally did it this year. We finally did it this year. And it was great. It was magical. I also loved Georgia. I loved Savannah. Beautiful, beautiful city. Just everything about the trip was so wonderful. And it's something that I do love about my husband Hayden. He's not super big on traveling. I mean, he likes to do like small trips if he's going to ride a motorcycle or a four-wheeler or even big trips if he's going to do that. But other than that, like traveling is not super his thing, but he's always willing to do it for me even though he doesn't love it. And then when we're there, we always have a good time. And also (laughs) a lot of the time, actually all of the time. Like when we go on trips, if it's like a road trip, he is basically my chauffeur, which is another thing that I love about him because I hate driving. It's not something that I enjoy. It spikes my anxiety. Um, So when we do go on these big elaborate trips that I plan, he drives the whole time. Like he'll drive us to the airport, which we live, you know, five hours away from an airport. He'll drive us, like if we land somewhere and we have to get a rental car, he'll drive all around in the new place that we're in. And I really love that about him and appreciate that about him. And anyways, we we had a great time. So the reason I skipped an episode in September is because we went on that trip and I don't know. I just feel like I spent all this time like getting ready, packing in the beginning part of September. And then we went on the trip and then we got back and I had to like catch up on things at work and catch up on things um, at school. I take some classes and catch up at home. And then I just was like, I, I just, I can't do an episode this month. So I chose not to do it. I was going to do this cool episode since it's my birthday and my anniversary in September. I was going to do an episode called my birth anniversary special. <laughs> and I was going to combine birthday and anniversary and call it my birth anniversary special. And I was going to write stories about birthdays in my past. And I also was going to have Hayden be on and like tell some stories about us and then... 
yeah, it, it was, it was too much to handle by the time I got back from the trip, but it was so worth it. And I do not feel bad about skipping an episode at all. I hope you guys don't care. And I'm back. So everything's great. So let's talk Halloween costumes. I am a costume person. Anytime I get the opportunity to dress up as a character or something, I will. Like as a teacher, I dress up so many times during the year. Just, I mean, nobody's making me do it. I'm just doing it for fun because I just like to. And so I really love Halloween because I love creating costumes. Um, I generally don't buy, like I'm not a go to spirit Halloween and buy a costume or go to Target and buy a costume. I always DIY our costumes. Um, I, before we had a kid, I loved couples costumes, which is another thing that I really love about Hayden is he never one time has shut me down on a Halloween costume idea from the very beginning of our marriage. So we have a lot of great costumes that we've done and he always goes along with it. Now we do um, family costumes, but my philosophy now that my son is older and has more of a personality and more opinions, he's not a baby anymore. Um, I really, even though I love Halloween so much and I uh, would love to just be able to control and create what our costume is every single year. I do think that it should be more about him because he's the kid and I'm the adult. So now that he's like able to pick out his own Halloween costume and kind of understands what Halloween is, the past two years I have just asked him what he wanted to be and then tried to build a family costume around that. Last year... (laughs) And I don't know why, because I'm pretty sure if I asked him right now what a toucan was, I don't know if he would even remember. But last year he got on this kick where he wanted to be a toucan. I think it's because we were reading a book that talked about toucan. Like it was like some animal book and it had a toucan in it. And so he started liking toucans and he wanted to be a toucan. But (laughs) he thought that they said two, two. And so he would like walk around going two, two. Anyway, so he wanted to be a toucan, and last year, we what I came up with to make it a family costume, oh my gosh, can you hear that knocking? That is my son, who is supposed to be napping, knocking at my door, so <laughs> hang on just a second. Okay, I'm back, <laughs> and can you hear that? I'm like literally winded, like... Three-year-olds, man, they're just so tough to wrangle. (laughs) Um, So what I was saying, the way that I turned the idea of Toucan into a family costume was to be cereal box mascots. So he was Toucan Sam, my husband was Captain Crunch, and I was the Lucky Charms Leprechaun. This year, though, (laughs) was a lot harder. So it, you guys, it turned into this huge elaborate thing. So I asked him what he wanted to be and he was dead set every time that I asked him because I asked him over and over and over because he flip flops and he changes his mind. Usually this year though, he was set from the beginning that he was going to be a Jeep truck. So I think they're called Jeep gladiators, you know, those ginormous jeep truck things i think they're hideous i'm sorry if you drive one i think your truck is ugly but good for you if you like it i don't personally like them but my son thinks they are the coolest thing ever and that's what he wanted to be so i was like okay i'm gonna have to like create this out of cardboard somehow but then as time has gone on it has evolved so me trying to figure out okay how am i gonna make jeep truck into a family costume I thought, well, what if we do like a safari theme? So I asked him, could it be a safari Jeep truck? And he was like, oh yeah, with tiger stripes. (laughs) So now it's turned into safari Jeep truck with tiger stripes. Okay. But keep following because there's more. So I decided that he was going to be the Jeep truck. I was going to be a zebra and my husband was going to be like the safari guide person. And then as we go on, then it became 
that it needed to be a monster jeep truck. So now it is a safari monster jeep truck. And I was like, oh, that's pretty easy. I can just make big wheels, like put big wheels on it. But then he wasn't done. Of course he wasn't. (laughs) Because then it evolved even more to that it is a Hot Wheels monster jeep truck safari. So that's what it is. And I'm still a zebra and my husband's still going to be the safari tour guide. But And today I have been painting said monster safari hot wheels jeep whatever (laughs) and just uh blood sweat tears and like an entire roll of packing tape went into this costume (laughs) and it's looking okay right now it's looking a lot better now that i just painted it and like put the wheels on for a while i was like oh this is gonna look terrible it's looking okay now I still have to paint the dang tiger stripes and I'm going to have to print out like a little Hot Wheels symbol to put on it, but we are in the home stretch, but I am just a few days away from Halloween, you guys, like (laughs) I signed myself up for this elaborate homemade costume and I am really down to the wire, but it is, it's going to come together and it's going to be great. But speaking of Helms, I asked him to be a part of this episode today. So this episode is titled Spooky Surprise Stories. And if you follow me on Instagram, you had the opportunity to submit some story elements for the stories that are going to be on today's episode. What I did is I took all the ideas that you guys submitted. I wrote them down on little white pieces of paper. I folded them up. I separated them out into different bowls. And then I had my son draw out of those bowls to come up with the plots for these stories. And that is what you are going to hear next is me and Helms drawing some story elements. Here we go. So I collected ideas from you guys on Instagram for the spooky surprise stories for today's episode. I collected ideas for emotions, for settings that the story will take place, and for different Halloween monsters. And I decided that I was going to have my little boy help me pull things from different bowls to create the elements of the stories for this episode. So just to set the scene, just for the fun of it, I am wearing a witch's hat right now (laughs) and I have three bowls, one of which is actually Helms's um, like trick-or-treat candy bowl and that has all of the Halloween monsters and then I have two other red bowls that have the settings and the emotions and I'm going to have Helms help me pick the things out. So you ready Helms? He's nodding his head. (laughs) Okay here pick a monster first. Zombie boyfriend's house. I just watched Zombieland so that's funny. I'm thinking about the part where the the girl from the apartment across from the guy comes over and then turns into a zombie. Not really a spoiler alert if you haven't seen Zombieland because it happens within like the first five minutes. Okay, so zombie boyfriend's house and how are they feeling? Hangry, oh, that's a good one for a zombie. (laughs) A hangry zombie at boyfriend's house, that's awesome. Okay, let's choose another monster. Hmm. Hmm. Two sticking together. Two sticking together? Let's have that one. Okay. Oh, I hate this one. I didn't want to get this one. Slenderman. Slenderman. On a dark road. You. Okay, this took a weird turn. In love. Slenderman in love on a dark road. Hmm. I feel like I could write that and not have it be too creepy. I don't know why, but Slenderman, like I just, mm -mm, mm -mm. I don't, 
Mm -mm. I like Halloween. I don't mind scary stuff, but I just, I don't know. I don't like Slenderman. Okay, did you choose another monster house? No, yeah. Okay. Because I was just trying to give that love to you. Oh, thank you. Slenderman and love. <laughs> <laughs> you don't even know what that means, but is that funny? Yeah. <laughs> We've got Frankenstein helms. Oh, one flattened out of the bowl. Oh my goodness, we're dropping them everywhere. Let's take the one that fell out. Frankenstein at the library. What feeling is love? What feeling is Frankenstein feeling? I don't know. Here, hand it to me. Surprised. Surprised Frankenstein at the library. Ooh, a creepy doll at the play place. So I think this is like McDonald's or like Burger King play place is what the person meant. Okay. Skeptical. A skeptical creepy doll at the play place. Okay. Vampire. Ooh. Do you like vampire? <laughs> <laughs> And I fly. Vampire in an old barn. Confused. A confused vampire in an old barn. I also have been listening to Midnight Sun. Well, I just finally finished it. I started it in the summer, the Midnight Sun audiobook. And I just finished it yesterday. We were on a trip and I was driving home and finished it. So that's all I can think of now is Twilight. So maybe I'll have to write like another string cheese. Okay, hang on. Maybe I'll have to write like a Twilight fan fiction for that one. Okay, choose another monster. Mom, did you just go get me a string If you choose a monster, I will get you a string cheese, yes. Okay, classic witch. A classic witch at the nail salon. And she's feeling... Anxious, an anxious witch at the nail salon. Chupacabra. Chupacabra. <laughs> Is that a funny word? <laughs> okay, let's find out where this chupacabra is. Ooh, I like this one. Chupacabra at prom. Angry, an angry chupacabra at prom. Ooh, I like this one too. I liked that this one was submitted because it is not a monster I would have thought of. Bigfoot. Uh, Bigfoot at the swimming pool. Feeling bored. A bored Bigfoot at the swimming pool. Werewolf. A frantic werewolf. And I already know the setting because there's only one left. And most of my listeners will like this, I think. A frantic werewolf in blending. Dun, dun, dun. Okay, well, thank you, Helms. You were very helpful. Can you say bye to everybody? Bye. <laughs> so here's the rules I am giving myself for these spooky surprise stories. I don't know that I... Actually, scratch that. I'm fairly certain that I will not be able to write every single combination of story that I had Helms draw out of the bowls. I'm going to do as many of them as I can, but here are the rules. Well, actually, there's really just one rule. I don't know why I keep saying rules, plural. The one rule I'm giving my... No, two rules. It was pluralized. Two. Two rules. Number one rule is... I had to stick to the three things that there were drawn for the bowl. So it has to do with the monster that was drawn. It has to, at least at some point in the story, happen in the place, the setting that was drawn. And somebody in the story, not necessarily the monster, but somebody in the story has to feel the feeling that we drew. So that's going to be... The first rule which was really like three rules in one but <laughs> and the second rule 
is, and this one is the stressful one, but I'm doing it because I have a tendency to be like kind of long-winded in my writing, even though I know like for this podcast, I write short stories, but I just, I take a long, I take a long freaking time, you guys. And not only am I down to the wire with my kid's Halloween costume, but also as I'm recording this and as we just drew these things, it is Monday, you guys. Halloween, technically Sunday. Most people are celebrating it on Saturday. I'm celebrating it on Saturday. I'm also planning to put out this episode either on Friday or Saturday. It is Monday, people. It is Monday. And I have yet to write a single word of these stories, okay? So the next rule is I'm giving myself only 10 minutes, 10 minutes to write the story. So they're just going to be like super quick little snapshots. So I'll probably be able to do more stories for this episode than I usually do because they're going to be short because I'm only giving myself 10 minutes to write them. So I'm going to just really have to like speed write. So yeah, those are the rules. Number one, I have to stick to the things that we drew out of the bowls. Number two, I have 10 minutes to write it. And I'm going to set myself a timer and I'm going to sit down and I'm going to just click clack away on my computer and call it good. And hopefully they don't turn out too sloppy. But it almost kind of makes it fun because I think a lot of times I just, I overthink it and I think and I think and I think and I, I think I just kind of be fun if I'm just like really taking the first ideas that come to my head and just word vomiting it onto the page. I think it might be good. So yeah, let's see how they turn out. Table of contents. Story number one, a hangry zombie at her boyfriend's house. Story number two, goat sucker. Story number three, classic. Story number four, late bloomer. Story number five, Frank. Story number six, making a splash in Skyway. Story number seven, Slenderman in love. Hangry zombie at her boyfriend's house. Written by M. Black. Where do you want to eat? Ugh, I don't know. You pick. Come on. I always have to pick. Don't do this. Do what? This. This same conversation we have every time we go out to eat. Sorry for worrying about your opinion. I'm just really hungry, okay? I don't want to make any decisions right now. I just want to eat. Fine. How about the airport? Airport food? That's what we're going to do for our date? What? There's a lot of humans who head over there thinking they can hotwire a plane and escape. Easy pickings. Easy pickings? You sure know how to wow a girl. Hey, not fair. I asked your opinion and you said you didn't want to give one and you wanted me to pick. Well, I didn't know you were going to pick the airport. Alright, what if we headed down to the beach? Nah, the humans there are too soggy and gritty. There's too much rain here all the time and they're covered in sand. Well, what do you want me to do? Go hunt down a prime specimen and drag it to the top of the space needle and serve it up on a plate for you? No, sorry. Just hangry. What if we just get someone delivered through Zuber Eats and watch a movie? Oh, yeah. Let's get some Wendy's. Wendy's? You know that place isn't open anymore. Besides, the thought of a french fry makes me sick. They just reopened, zombie style. They only serve people named Wendy. Well, we aren't named Wendy. No, you aren't getting it. Oh, got it. They're gonna bring us a chick named Wendy. 
Goat Sucker, written by M. Black. Elena Perez knew she was a shoe-in for prom queen. I mean, this whole thing wouldn't have even happened without her. They always chose the prom director as prom queen. She deserved it. Elena, this is stunning. So pretty, Elena. I can't believe this is actually our gym. Nice work, Perez. These were just a handful of the accolades she had been receiving all night. To each, she flashed a dazzling smile and feigned humbleness. They were putty in her hands, and she could practically feel the phantom weight of the gorgeously bejeweled tiara, handpicked by herself, atop her head. She really had outdone herself. Sunset in Cancun was a prom theme her predecessors would have a very difficult time topping. However, things would be completely different if they knew her little secret, but they didn't, and she was exerting all of her effort to keep it that way. It wasn't something as simple as the fact that her prom dress was in fact a hand-me-down quinceanera gown worn by not one, but two of her cousins. No, as embarrassing as that was, there was something far more sinister she was hiding from her royal prom subjects. She had asked her favorite teacher, Mr. Benson, to do the honors of reading the results of the prom court voting. She couldn't do it herself, obviously, because reading her own name would be too awkward, and she wanted the real experience of being called from the crowd and ascending to the stage in all her queenly glory. Mr. Benson took the microphone, and Elena's stomach erupted in butterflies. The attendants were all called, and she was pleased with her peers' choices. Harvey Holsom was chosen as prom king, and she was elated. Mr. Benson was just sliding the card out of the prom queen envelope when the dance descended into pandemonium. Shrieks and giggles abounded, and a familiar gut-wrenching fragrance wafted through Elena's nostrils. No. Goats, running amuck through the painstakingly decorated ball. The same goats that Elena had been dutifully avoiding since their arrival in the agriculture wing of the tech building. Whirling around on her heels, she located the instigators of the riot. In the back corner, a group of sweaty, acne-covered boys guffawed proudly. Anger ripped through Elena, and she knew there was no turning back. That terrible, acid-like feeling had begun to spread through her body. This wouldn't end well. The word chupacabra isn't as fancy-sounding when broken down into its simplest form. Chupar, meaning to suck, and cabra, meaning goats. Chupacabra, goat sucker. After it was all over, all that was left of Elena's efforts was a room full of terrified teens, a bunch of blood-drained goats littering the floor with their lifeless bodies, and a wild, ferocious prom queen bursting out of the gym's double doors with a tiara gripped between her canine teeth. Classic Written by M. Black. Darla, I really don't want to do this. Gertie hung back apprehensively on the edge of the curb. I'm telling you, it would be so good for you. You need to do this. While nodding up her face in a curmudgeonly way, Gertie tugged at the collar of her plain white t-shirt and yanked the waistline of her blue jeans upwards. What even are these clothes you've got me in? I feel naked. No hat. There isn't enough layers. I need to be wrapped in flowing tendrils of black fabric to feel secure. I don't even have tights on. And don't get me started on these shoes. She lifts up her left sneaker to examine it. If it doesn't make a menacing clicking noise while I walk, I don't want it on my feet. Darla sighed and placed a hand on her hip. 
Gertie. I'm doing this for your own good. I've got to pull you into the 21st century before we are out of it. Why? What's wrong with how it's always been? I don't like change. Gert, how long have we known each other now? 150 years, give or take. You know I love you and wouldn't do anything that I didn't think was best for you. Gertie rolled her eyes. I'll go in, but I'm going to complain the entire time. Darla cackled in response. <laughs> that I don't doubt. Being drugged by the arm by her over-enthusiastic friend, Gertie crossed the threshold of Pretty Pearly's nail parlor as a small bell near the top of the door tinkled to inform everyone inside of their arrival. Hi, you two have appointments? Yes, manicures, two o'clock. Gertie felt a sweeping sense of nausea as she was ushered into a thickly padded chair and handed a colorful wheel of fake fingernails and instructed to choose a color. She immediately selected the shade of red that most resembled freshly drawn blood, her signature color. Gert, Darla called from the chair over. No, we agreed, something pastel. Gertie stuck her tongue out in a fake gagging motion then hastily chose a lilac color from the wheel. Oh, wow, her manicurist exclaimed in surprise as she took Gertie's right hand, which was all full of knobbly knuckles, warts, hairy moles, and long, slender fingers with even longer, sharper fingernails. You want the work, sweetie? Yes, she does, Darla answered for her. Late Bloomer, written by M. Black. Cindy had never been this alone with a boy before. It was hair-raising, but in a good way. It was that tingly, not-so-sure-what-will-happen-next feeling that only the young can seem to experience in its purest form. I like to come up here and watch the sunset. It's a bit of a hike and then a climb after that. Sorry if I wore you out. Bryce smiled sheepishly through shaggy hair at her. No, it's fine. Better than fine. This is nice. She placed her hand on the old wooden beam she was sitting on, her pinky just centimeters from his. She could feel the warmth radiating from his hand to hers. I don't know the story behind this old barn. I don't even know who owns it or if it's legal to be up here, but I come up here all the time and I've never been in trouble, so I think we'll be alright. I'm not afraid, Cindy smiled daringly. This may seem like a strange compliment, because it is, but your teeth, they're like, really sharp. Cindy immediately forced her lips to snap shut. No, I, it, it in a good way. I like them. They look hot. Cindy raised her eyebrows. My teeth are hot? Bryce ran a hand through his hair anxiously. I don't know. That was dumb. I'm sorry. You make me nervous. Cindy smirked. You make me nervous too. Could I kiss you? Yes. Cindy replied, barely a whisper. Bryce leaned forward and pressed his lips to hers. Suddenly, a surge shot through Cindy's body. Bite him. She didn't understand what was happening. Her mind was flooded with the sound of Bryce's thumping, melodious heartbeat. Sink your teeth into his neck. These intrusive thoughts were getting out of hand. Why was she feeling this way? Bryce shifted closer to her. Suck his blood. His heartbeat grew louder in her ears, like a siren's call, a demanding drumbeat. She imagined brushing her teeth against the soft skin just below his jaw. No, stop this. Stop it now. Bryce slid a hand up her back. The pounding in her head was overwhelming. She couldn't stand it any longer. Do it. 
In one swift motion, she had pierced through his jugular with her mouth, letting the warm liquid gush down her throat. After mere seconds, she released herself from him and drowned in the sheer horror of what she had just done. Bryce? He laid motionless across the old wood. Cindy, covered in blood, scrambled down the decrepit ladder. She fumbled loose her cell phone from her back pocket, hitting speed dial. Dad, she sobbed. What is it, sweetheart? I, I don't know. I'm so confused. What's wrong? Did that boy hurt you? No, Dad, I, I hurt him. Oh, sweetie, I understand. I know you don't, but I do. You stay put. Stay out of sight. I'll come get you. Ten minutes later, her father's Jeep Cherokee crackled across the gravel, coming to a stop next to Bryce's truck. As he exited the vehicle, Cindy ran to him, burying her blood-stained face in his shirt. What's happening, Dad? He patted her back gently. Cindy, I... I should have had a talk with you about this after your mom passed, but you were such a late bloomer, I hope that maybe... Maybe I wouldn't need to. What do you mean? Cindy wailed. Well, <clears throat> isn't there something that happens to your friends once a month? You mean their period? Yeah, that. <clears throat> he cleared his throat and then continued. And, uh, blood comes out of them, right? <laughs> yes. Well, in our family, it's the opposite. What? Once a month, for the rest of your life, you're going to become a blood-sucking vampire. Frank, written by M. Black. Frank wasn't necessarily satisfied with his job as a local librarian. However, compared to the constant threats towards his life he experienced in his earlier days, the mundane was nothing short of a blessing. Still, he sighed dramatically as he slid another hardback into the romance section. Frank, his boss called from the front desk. You better keep your dissatisfied expressions to yourself once we have some patrons in here. Frank silently mocked his boss's warning with a scrunched expression. Then, an open door and footsteps approached. Someone medium-sized, a woman, he guessed, and someone small, a child, his theory was proven to him with the arrival of the mother and child in the row of shelves where he stood. Oh, hi, the woman said nervously, a common response to Frank's existence in the library, town, and world. Sorry, I I'm just looking for a book. Can I help you with something? Frank asked. As the mother rattled off a trashy-sounding title... Frank noticed her son staring at him, slack-jawed, another response he was used to. "'Are you the Hulk?' the boy asked eagerly. "'Well, this is new,' Frank thought. Surprised by the boy's admiration, he laughed, staring down at his enormous yet gangly green arms and fists. He wrapped one of them in a tight ball, and with as much force as he could muster, slammed it into the bookshelf to his right, sending it and five others toppling over like dominoes. Yeah, I am, he stated plainly to the horrified mother and her impressed son. Frank! It was his boss again. What have you done? Hulk smash, Bill. Making a Splash in Skyway, written by M. Black.
Sasquatch sighting at Scenic Swimming Pool. Patrons at the Scenic Skyway Swimming Pool on Saturday got more than they bargained for out of their admission fee. The unique, heated swimming pool, which is perfect for any nature lover, is located just off Highway 45, which winds lazily through the Trundle Mountains, the perfect place for Bigfoot to take a dip. According to witnesses that day, it seems as though he did just that. It was just spectacular, a Sasquatch swimming right next to me. I could hardly believe it, says Tara Owens, who was there with her husband that day. Some skeptics, however, do not believe it. We suspect it was someone in a Bigfoot suit, or costume, I should say. Probably a teen pulling a prank. Graduation is coming up at Skyway High. Seniors are pulling all sorts of pranks this time of year, says Sheriff Galloway. Henry folded the newspaper carefully with his large, hairy fingers, chuckling as he did so. The incident had happened three days prior. The Trundle Mountains were beautiful. Henry had no complaints about the location of his home, but he had grown tired of the isolation and all of his forms of entertainment had grown stale. Simply put, he was bored. He desperately needed to spice things up, and Scenic Skyway Swimming Pool was the perfect seasoning for his bland life. Henry had been eyeing the pool since its construction four years ago. Coveting it was probably a better word to describe the way he dreamt about its warm waters. That day he lurked in the shadows of the pine trees lining the perimeter of the pool's fence. He didn't usually come this close to humans in the light of day. It would probably be a better idea to try out the pool after hours, but he had already determined that he would go big or go home. Go home is what he may have to do after this. He was a transplant to the Trundle Mountains. They had served him well for many years. After this stunt, though, it may be time to find new digs. With a bear-sized breath, he hopped the fence. The screams were instantaneous. He didn't waste any time, galloping to the diving board as quickly as he could. With two forceful bounces that he worried may crack the board, he executed what he thought was a very impressive cannonball, after which he swam across the bottom of the pool, exiting on the south side and clambering over the fence and off into the thick trees. Pleased with himself, as he thought over the memory, he crossed one leg over the other in his hammock. He would start packing tomorrow. So this last story is the only one that is a little bit scary, and I broke the rules on this one. I spent much more than 10 minutes <laughs> writing this story, um, and it's a long one. It's about 21 minutes long to listen to the whole story through, but I did want to give you something actually spooky, and I broke the rules because to write a story in 10 minutes that would actually scare you would be a little bit hard and it's not that scary some of you might not be scared at all but if you're easily scared it might scare you and I hope that it does <laughs> slender man in love written by m black Guys, I know who he is. Melissa, the so-called leader of the pack, stared gravely across the treehouse at her group of friends after delivering this harrowing message. How? Cameron asked skeptically. The foursome, Cameron, Melissa, Hank, and Sarah, had been investigating the strange and unsettling disappearances of young girls in their hometown of Paulsdale. These tragic incidents had been occurring for over 40 years. The grand total of missing girls within that time span was 32, a large number for a small town. The disappearances happened in clusters. Anywhere between three to five girls were taken in a spree that occurred over several months every five years. Every fifth year in Paulsdale was referred to as a milk carton year or the boogeyman's ball. Melissa felt that both of these phrases were distasteful and inconsiderate of the real-life families who had lost their daughters and sisters. Besides, she had never seen any of these girls on a milk carton, but their faces were plastered all over bulletin boards and corner lampposts. 
Placing blame on the boogeyman, as far-fetched as it may sound, was where Melissa and her friends fell. Before their vanishing, each girl had expressed to friends and family that they felt as if they were being watched or followed. Some mentioned a tall, white-faced man. Hank liked to joke that by that description, half the dudes living in Paulsdale fit the bill. It was not a diverse area by any means. Sarah always punched him in the arm when he said this, and Melissa gave further explanation. Blank face would be more accurate. Some said it was like someone had taken an eraser to his face, no features whatsoever. And not white, as in Caucasian, white as in like a ghost or a sheet of paper. And when they said tall, they meant towering, nearing seven feet is what some of them guessed. Slenderman, Cameron had definitively stated the first time Melissa had given her spiel. Who's Slenderman? Seriously? Hank asked. You guys are so lame. Sometimes I wonder why we hang out with you. Because you two are a bunch of dweebs who do nothing but sit around playing video games and no other girls want to hang out with you. Sarah finished by thumping the back of Hank's head as she passed by. Here, just scroll through this. Cameron passed his phone to the girls. What they saw was a collection of artwork, memes, and videos of an unsettling humanoid creature wearing a jet black suit. Where his face should have been, there was nothing. Melissa dramatically shivered. Creepy AF, but at least he's well-dressed, Sarah commented. Do you really think it was that thing that... Melissa trailed off. Cameron shrugged and looked away. It's the best theory we've got. Since then, Melissa had been diligently studying and researching online and at the library. This is how she had come to the conclusion she had gathered everyone in the treehouse to deliver. She let her backpack slide off her shoulders and set it on the ground in front of her. She unzipped it, and from it pulled a large, hardback book. This is how I figured it out. A collection of family histories and stories of people who live or have lived in Paulson. Where did you get that? Hank asked. The library. Where else? So, who's our guy? Cameron asked apprehensively. Melissa hesitated to answer. The reason for her hesitation was the same reason the group had begun their detective work in the first place. This year was a fifth year in Paulson. Two months ago, Cameron's older sister, Alice, went missing. Melissa took a deep breath. <sighs> Hubert McAllister Linfield. She opened the book to a page she had bookmarked, spreading it open wide and tapping a picture of a lanky, lonesome-looking boy with sallow eyes and a freckle-splattered face. Huey's story is a tragic mark within the Linfield family, Melissa read aloud. After the loss of his dear friend, Abby Markham, in a terrible accident, which Huey was witness to, he ran away, never to be seen again. Who's to say Slenderman didn't snatch up old Huey boy too? Hank questioned. Sarah shot him a disdainful look. Hank turned to Cameron apologetically. Sorry, I know I shouldn't joke about it. It's not funny. He's never taken a boy before and Huey Linfield ran away exactly 40 years ago, just a week before Slenderman's first victim went missing. How did you even come across this? Cameron asked sternly. I was doing some research online. Slenderman is a very 21st century legend created on the internet. Very evil, sinister, child abductor. But I did find one explanation that suggested the idea of him may have come from an older legend in which the creature was not necessarily evil. Rather, when he took his victims, he took them to the underworld to save them from experiencing a tragic or painful death. Sarah cocked her head. Weird take, but go on. So that led me to researching tragic deaths from 40 years ago of young girls around the same age as Slenderman's victims. That's when I found Abby, who was ice skating on Insham Pond when she fell through the ice. Melissa flipped to another page tacked with a sticky note. On it was a photocopy of a journal entry. 
Abby had gone ice skating with her dear friend, Hubert Linfield, who bravely did everything he could to rescue her, but was unable to. That's Abby's mom's writing, Melissa explained. So let me see if I'm following correctly. Your theory is that Huey couldn't save his friend, so he transformed into an evil creature, Hank questioned. Well, I mean, yeah, but that's not it. Melissa pulled another book from her bag. This one was also hardback, but skinnier. On the cover was a large number 80. Is that a yearbook? Sarah perked up. Yes, Melissa said proudly. Not just any yearbook, Abby's yearbook. How did you get that? You know Zoe? She's Abby's niece. I asked her if her grandma had any yearbooks at her house, and I told her I was doing a research project on the 80s. Abby had lots of siblings, so it was a big box that Zoe brought me. But then I found this, she said, holding it up for effect. Abby's yearbook from eight months before she died. Melissa wasted no time before flipping to the back and reading. Abby, it seems stupid to be writing this here in between all the shallow notes and idiotic scribblings of everyone else. I'm not going to tell you to stay cool or have a great summer. I know you'll stay cool, and I do hope you have a great summer, one in which I get to spend a lot of time with you. You don't know how much you've changed my life. Nobody looks at me like you do. Heck, nobody looks at me, period. I was just a ghost before you. You are incredible, smart and beautiful. I love you, Huey. So Abby was Huey's girlfriend, Hank asked. That or he was really pining after someone who kept him in the friend zone. Okay, so he's passionately in love with Abby, who may or may not love him back. He watched her die, a horrifying death of which he could not save her from. And then what? Sarah asked. Melissa sighed. That part is muddy. I think somehow his pain transformed him into what we know as Slenderman. Cameron, who had been quiet, stood up from the camp chair he sat in. So I'm supposed to believe that hideous thing is actually just some misunderstood hero? That he saved my sister? A little far-fetched, even for you, Melissa. Without saying another word, Cameron ducked into the hole in the floor and down the ladder onto the grass below, stalking off into the night. Hank shrugged and clapped Melissa on the shoulder. He's just sad. It makes sense to me, Sarah offered. Cameron avoided Melissa and the others for an entire week. In that time, Melissa did everything she could to find more information on Huey Linfield. The only thing notable she could scrape away from her efforts was that Huey was an exceptionally tall teenager, which went along with her Slenderman theory. Melissa sat on her bed with her phone in her lap, nervously hovering her thumbs over the screen. She wanted to text Cameron, but didn't know what to say. She was just about to start typing, I'm sorry, when a cold chill came over her. Her body tingled, almost to the point of nausea. She didn't feel alone in her room anymore. The faint sound of one small scratch on the glass of her window sent her careening back into her pillows. Terrified, she scanned the square of blackness for any signs of movement and caught the slight tremble of the bush just outside her window. Feeling sick to her stomach, she rushed to find her parents. For the first time since she was seven, she slept in her parents' bedroom. In the morning, she woke from her makeshift bed on the floor to a text from Cameron. Alice had cancer. Frantically, Melissa typed back, WHAT? in all caps. Cameron was typing. She stared at the three little dots and chewed her fingernails without even realizing she was chewing them. My parents just told me last night. She was diagnosed with stage 4 acute myeloid leukemia. The doctors gave her four months to live. She was just diagnosed a week before she disappeared. Melissa stared at her phone for a long time. The dots reappeared. Another message came through. I'm sorry for how I acted. I think you're right. Melissa typed tentatively. Cam, I think I'm next. Send. Send.
She was adamant to her parents that she be taken to the doctor that day. Are you sick? Her mother questioned. Yes, I don't feel right. She was lying. She felt fine physically. At the clinic, she asked her mom to hang back in the waiting room. You sure? Yeah, and you start doing stuff like this for myself. But thanks for bringing me and making the appointment. Melissa sat in the exam room, tapping her toes nervously. So, what are we seeing you for today? Dr. Robinshaw asked as she entered the room. I'm worried I may have some type of life-threatening disease. Oh, that's concerning. What are your symptoms? I, I, I don't have any. Can you just run some tests? Dr. Robinshaw furrowed her brow. I'm sorry, but with no symptoms to report, I wouldn't know where to begin. Are you sure you're feeling all right? Melissa was suddenly overcome with embarrassment. You know what? Actually, my throat and my ears have been bothering me. Could you take a look? After her examination, Dr. Robinshaw didn't look any less perplexed. Everything looks fine. I did notice, however, that you seem to be under some stress. Your heartbeat is elevated, and according to your chart, your blood pressure is a bit too. Is something bothering you? I guess you could say I'm anxious, stressed. Is that something that happens often? No, not really, just recently. Dr. Robinshaw nodded knowingly. Does this have anything to do with Alice Pillman's disappearance? Yes, Melissa answered honestly. I'm going to refer you to a really great therapist that I know. I think she could help you work through this. Dr. Robinshaw scrawled the information on her notepad, then ripped it off and handed it to Melissa. Okay, thanks, Melissa said, without even glancing at the paper in her hand. She tossed it in the garbage on her way back to the waiting room. So, what's up? Her mom asked. Just a common cold, she lied. Sorry you had to bring me down here. Well, since we're out, why don't we hit up the drive-thru on the way home and get burgers and milkshakes? That sounds great, Mom. She laid on the couch for the rest of the day, letting her mom dote on her. That night, she fell asleep in the same place. She woke with a start. Alone in the living room, the only light in the room was coming from the TV. That sickening alone-but-not-alone feeling was back rendering her paralyzed under her blanket. Closing her eyes tight, she tried to breathe through the feeling. When it didn't go away, she decided to bolt to her parents' room. With the blanket wrapped around her, she rose from the couch intentionally averting her gaze from the large sliding glass door which led to the backyard. She kept her back turned to it. She was about to take off across the house when her curiosity overcame her. Slowly, she turned to steal a glance. He was there, white face, tall, skinny body, unmoving, staring at her through the glass, although he had no eyes. A blood-curdling scream crackled out of her. Dropping the blanket, she sprinted to her parents' room, but they met her in the hall with confused and terrified faces. He's going to take me! He's going to take me! He's going to take me! Who? Her father tried to break through her persistent, frantic repetition. Slender man! She wailed. It turned out that the psychiatrist Dr. Robinshaw had scratched onto that piece of paper was named Dr. Tilly. Melissa discovered this the next day when her parents made her an appointment. I'm not crazy. She tried to assure them. We don't think that, they tried to assure her. Melissa texted the group chat named Slenderman Sleuths. SOS, we need to meet in the treehouse tonight. She added a skull emoji to the end. That night, she followed her mom like a shadow throughout the house until she saw Sarah, Hank, and Cameron climbing into the treehouse in the backyard. I think it's great that you're having your friends over, sweetheart her mother said, with just a tinge of relief in her tone. Someone come inside and get me, Melissa texted the group. Hi, Mrs. Pope, 
Sarah called cheerily as she slid open the glass door a few moments later. Hey, Sarah. Melissa linked an arm into Sarah's and practically drug her across the yard. What is going on? Sarah protested. Melissa didn't say anything until the two of them were safely tucked inside the treehouse. The gang's back, Hank cheered. Melissa broke down into tears. Oh, no, I'm sorry. What's wrong? I saw him, you guys. I saw him. Last night, I saw him. Him? Him? Cameron asked gravely. Yes, I'm gonna die, Melissa cried. Sarah immediately wrapped Melissa in her arms and the boys followed suit. The group was still in this huddle when a rustling was heard from below. He's back, Melissa shuddered. No, it's probably just a bird, Cameron said coolly, breaking away from the group to take a look out of the cut-out window. Almost as soon as he peered out, he came staggering backwards. What is it? Sarah squeaked, gripping Melissa tighter. Is it him? Hank breathed. Cameron turned to face the huddle, nodding his head as his eyes misted over. None of his friends had ever seen him cry. Cover the hatch, Sarah demanded. Melissa said nothing, just quietly sobbed as Hank and Sarah guided her to the back corner of the treehouse. Cameron took a step towards the hole in the floor, but was frozen in fear when a willowy white hand appeared, gripping the top rung of the ladder. He toppled over backward as the faceless head rose into the treehouse. All four friends shrieked in horror. The ivory-faced figure in the suit didn't come any further into the treehouse, but by the looks of his lengthy arms, which were perched on the wooden slats of the treehouse floor, he wouldn't need to. He could wrench Melissa away from her friends from where he stood. One sinewy arm began to creep forward. No! Cameron shouted. From behind him, he frantically grabbed the library book and flipped open to the bookmarked page. This is you, isn't it, Huey? He pointed aggressively at the photo of the boy, shoving it towards the expressionless face of the creature. Hubert McAllister Linfield, I know you're in there. And you took my sister. You aren't taking Melissa, too. His voice was starting to crack from shouting. The creature didn't respond. I know you loved Abby. I read what you wrote to her. She's my Abby, okay? Don't take her from me, too. Tears dripped down Cameron's cheeks. Melissa sobbed harder at his words. The creature slowly raised his right hand towards Cameron and placed a single finger on his forehead. In the background, the three friends shrieked and cried as Cameron appeared to be possessed by Slenderman's touch. His body was rigid and his eyes glazed over. Let him go, Hank hollered, rushing towards the creature, who silently tossed him to the side with his other arm. He landed in a heap near the window. When the creature removed his spindly finger from Cameron, the boy's shoulders slacked and life reappeared on his face. He turned to Sarah, who was shielding Melissa with her body. Let him take her. Are you freaking kidding me? Sarah shrieked. Melissa looked into Cameron's tearful eyes. I'm gonna die, aren't I? Did he show you that? Cameron's only response was to pull her into a hug and sob in huge heaves as she did the same into his chest. Soon, she felt an ice-cold hand wrap around her wrist. Her friends were screaming. Cameron, despite what he had said earlier, gripped her tighter. She wasn't scared, though. Calm spread through her. And she went, willingly. Three months later, in honor of their missing daughter, Melissa's parents took their annual trip to a little cabin they rented on a lake. They never made it that far, though. Melissa's father swerved to miss a deer that pranced across the highway. The car rolled, multiple times. Her parents were injured, but survived. The back seat of the vehicle was completely crushed. Anyone sitting there would have died. 
leave it to me to give a scary, evil creature a personality. But I do not like Slenderman. I didn't want to write about Slenderman. I don't like pictures of him. I don't like videos of him. I don't like stories of him. The whole thing creeps me out. And I'm not like a person that's super easily scared, but I don't like Slenderman. Something about him, it just is so unsettling to me. Um, but I really did like the combination of Slenderman and love, which is why I chose to write it because the idea of him being in love with somebody and that's the reason he became Slenderman was an idea I thought that I could run with, which obviously I did. And that is all for spooky surprise stories. I hope that you at least got a chuckle out of some of them. And I hope that maybe some of you got a little bit spooked out by the Slenderman story. And I also hope that you have an awesome Halloween. It is a great holiday. I hope you look a 10 out of 10 in whatever Halloween costume you have chosen for yourself. I hope you eat lots of yummy candy and have a great time and that your kids enjoy trick-or-treating and go to sleep at a reasonable hour and sleep in the next day. <laughs> Anyways, as always, I love you all. Bye. Bye.